My name's Colton. I'm the youth pastor here at SunWest. And yeah, I get to uh, kickstart our summer series. So we did this one last year and we're doing it again. Um, and it's God through my iPod. So it's, it's listening to songs, even us just listening to worship, uh, just to see how much of the impact that a song can actually have. Not just listening to the words, but the impact that it can have on our hearts. Uh, in our minds, and actually bringing God's kingdom here. And we believe that there's power and influence in song, and not just when we're here, standing here, doing worship, but also uh, while we're at home, on our iPods, listening to our music through iPods, or your iPhones, or your Apple Music account, or Spotify, whatever it is, listening to songs brings, um, yeah, brings us to a place. And usually, uh, lately, since Apple Music came out, I've just been listening to my Apple Music account, Apple Music account, listening to and discovering new artists, and there's something beautiful to that. But just recently, I put a stereo in my garage. And this is the stereo that I had when I was in high school. I think it was like, anyways, it's really dated now, but it was really cool back then, and it's got like an iPod dock. I don't know if they still build those with iPod docks built in. Uh, Anyways, it's like the old one with the iPod dock put in, and I started to listen to my old iPod that I haven't listened to in probably five years. And it's funny that as soon as I pressed play, that I knew, and these are songs that I haven't listened to in like five years, that I knew every single word to basically all of the songs on there. Isn't that funny? That you you don't listen to something for years, and you play it again, and you just know it. But it wasn't that I just knew every single word It was, as soon as I started to listen to a song, it brought back memory association and brought me to a certain place or brought me to a time with a certain person, right? There's something to music that's more than just lyrics. It's more than just words. It's more than just instruments. It actually brings us to a new place or to an old place, something we're remembering. So that's why I love this sermon series. Uh, And that's what we're going to do today. So we're going to spend time, and then we're going to listen to a song, and I'm going to preach a little bit on that song. And the song from this morning is coming from a guy named Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan is a guy that I thought, you know what, I don't know if I'm ever going to really... Well, I started dating a girl, my wife now, so Angel, who is a huge Bob Dylan fan. And I was, and she's just like, listen to Bob Dylan, listen to Bob Dylan. I was like, no, I don't have time for that. I don't want to listen to Bob Dylan. So I finally was like, okay, I'm going to listen to Bob Dylan. And I listened to him. I was like, how do you listen to this? This guy's like, seems like he's like this untrained, mumbling voice. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. So I listened to it once. That was it. The next year, she's like, okay, every summer we challenge each other to listen to a new album. Uh, And she challenged me again, listen to Bob Dylan. So I was like, okay. And I listened to him, but something changed in my heart from the first year to the second year. What used to be this untrained voice was now this, this untamed, raw emotion in his voice with these lyrics that he brought these lyrics, this poetry into life. Uh, Bob Dylan's had a pretty incredible career. I was just doing a little bit of research before I was getting into this, that he has around, I, I think it is not written, but he's per, like, yeah, he's written about 458 songs and has 38 studio albums, and that's not including all of the people that he writes music for as well. Uh, so he's had this pretty amazing career. So today I've decided to do a Bob Dylan song, in part because the song that I'm doing, I love the song, and every time that I listen to it, 
it just gets stuck in my head. This one line, and you'll hear it, just gets stuck in my head over and over again. And in part because um, Bob Dylan is my father-in-law's favorite artist, and this is kind of just like a sneaky way to get him to listen to me. So, <laughs> Don, this one's for you. Um, so this song that I'm doing is called My Back Pages. This one was written in the early 60s, talking about Bob Dylan's uh, political views and how they have changed and shifted over his lifetime. So let's just, we don't have any lyrics. We're just going to listen to the song. So just sit and listen, and then I'll come back up and we'll discuss it a little bit more. So there's a line in the song that I'm not here to talk about uh, political views or anything like that, but there's a line in the song that speaks of a journey. The, ah, I was so much older then, but I'm younger than that now. A line that keeps repeating in my head, and that's why I decided to, to talk, about it, talk about this song today, is because it's been something that's been on my heart uh, that I just want to share. It kind of talks and speaks a little bit even towards uh, my, my Christian journey. That I know for Bob Dylan, it was more about his political journey and how he once saw things as black and white. He once saw things this way. But he realized the growth with maturity, the growth with, with wisdom, that does not mean wisdom is stubbornness. Wisdom is an open ear to listening. It is a time to actually learn and grow and to be okay with saying, ah, that was back then, but this is now. And I was like, wow, that really speaks uh, to this Christian journey, this relationship with God that we have. See, when I was... 15 years old is when I first got to know Christ, where my life was transformed from old to new. And as soon as I found Christ, that I thought that I had all the answers. Because a lot of clarity does happen when we find Christ. There's like this clarity that comes into our life. And I grew up in the church, but he only became real to me when I was, when I was 15 years old. And I thought that I had all the answers, that I knew everything. And it's funny how that works, that I thought I knew everything before I actually picked up my Bible and spent significant time in there before I spent time in prayer uh, and sitting at the feet of Jesus. But then I realized, you know, the more that time that I spent, so like the more that I know about Jesus, so the more that I know, the more I know I don't know, if that makes sense. You know, the more that I know about God, the more questions that I have and the more things that I once thought were so black and white that I was so much older then, but I'm younger than that now. So that's what we want to talk about. But that, even my journey, that reminds me of somebody in the Bible. It reminds me of a character in Scripture that I want to be talking about today. A man, yeah, who is older but younger than that now, and his name is Nicodemus. So I want to share a little bit about the story of Nicodemus. He was a religious leader during the time of Jesus. He was a, he was a Pharisee. Nicodemus, in his culture, in his group, he was well-respected. He was old, he was wise, he, was, he had all the answers, he knew everything. He was part of this, this religious group, these Pharisees, that he had people who followed him, who respected him, and in that respect brought him status and it brought him wealth. You see, Nicodemus was, he was a pretty respected guy. He was part of this group, this Pharisees group, and part of the Sanhedrin, the group of people that, the, this religious uh, elite group that made the decisions for the, the church 
and where it was headed and the direction in which it was headed. And he was part of that group that he was, he was respected and wise and people saw him that way. Um, but the Pharisees, they had a certain way of doing things that they thought that they had this whole relationship or this whole idea of God figured out. That it was simple. You know, it wasn't that difficult that we actually have the answers and the answers are found in the law. It's found in the Old Testament law and they, they followed the Old Testament law, but they created a few of their own kind of just to, to make sense of the whole thing. And they thought, you know what? It's as black and white as this. If you follow this, our way, our teachings, you get to know God. But if you don't, you're not going to. It was easy. He had all the answers, and that's where Nicodemus sat. That's where he taught. But there was something or somebody who came along that messed that all up for Nicodemus. And that something was a man, and that man's name was Jesus. Jesus came along, and he taught something that was different. He actually went against a couple of these rules that they thought were so black and white and he was healing and he was even, his disciples were eating on the Sabbath and they didn't like it and they thought that Jesus was completely against them. But instead, so they, they devised this plan and, and they saw Jesus that he was teaching something completely different, but at the same time he was doing these miracles and these miraculous things that the, the blind could, were now had sight and the paralyzed could now walk and they saw Jesus doing all these miraculous things and teaching with such authority. But the Pharisees, trying to defend themselves because he taught something different than what they believed, they said that this, his power comes from the devil. His power can't come from God. But Nicodemus, he was smarter than that. He saw through uh, their little plan of saying that it's from the devil and he's like, well, he's furthering God's kingdom, right? He's, he's bringing people to God. So how could the devil be doing that? And it just did not make sense for him. So I can just imagine Nicodemus, he's teaching this one way for his entire life and he sees somebody coming, somebody up who clearly has God in his life, who's doing something a little bit different. And I, get, I bet he's just, he's sitting in it and it's doing it and he's just and stirring in his life and he's just, questioning everything that he thought he once knew. That Jesus changed his whole perspective and he's sitting and wondering, how can this be so? I can imagine Nicodemus sat with that for, I don't know, days, weeks, maybe even months, to the part where he, he um, saw the opportunity where he could speak to Jesus. So he comes to Jesus in the darkness of night. He comes to him alone because he doesn't want to be known that he's having a conversation with Jesus. Because already the Pharisees already devised the plan to get rid of Jesus. And he thought, well, if they know that I'm meeting with Jesus, maybe they're going to get rid of me too. So Nicodemus, in secrecy and in the darkness of night, he meets with Jesus. And he speaks with him one-on-one. -on -one. And which I find also really fascinating. If we look through the scriptures and the gospel stories, Jesus' only written accounts meets with somebody one-on-one -on -one in that intimate of a time twice in scripture. One is with Nicodemus and one is with the woman at the well. See, Nicodemus, or Jesus loved people and did most of his ministry in people, but he deemed these conversations important enough to have one-on-one. -on -one. So this is where we get the story. This is where we come in. So uh, if you've got your Bibles with, I'd love for you to open it up to John chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. If you don't have Bibles, there are Bibles at the back. Um, Visitor Bibles, so if you don't have one, please feel free to grab a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, just 
take it home with you. I think it's important for everybody to have one of those. Um, and I think the words will also be on the screen. Yep, there they are. So we are just going to read this story. So just imagine that we are just onlookers or onseers to this, to this story. So John chapter 3, starting at verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish, Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, explained Nicodemus, exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to the supernatural life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The winds blow wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, but you winds, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how... How can you possibly believe me when I tell you about heavenly things? And I think I'm just going to stop there. Uh, and you can read the rest of the story. The rest of the story, Jesus goes on to do a very famous, it's kind of timely that we just finished our John 3.16 sermon, or sorry, our 3.16 sermon series. Uh, and right here we've got the most famous 3.16, John 3.16 uh, and Jesus is explaining these things, and he says, this is why the Son of God came for. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And Nicodemus is the one that Jesus is telling this to. So born, so born again. Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the darkness of night looking for answers. He sees that things are so much different than what he teaches as a Pharisee, and he comes to Jesus just wanting to know everything, wanting to know all the answers. And then Jesus goes and he tells him this, and he gives him this line. Jesus tells him, unless someone is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless somebody is born again, unless somebody has new life in Christ, unless somebody gives up their old ways, which are getting in the way of them actually seeing God, unless they give those up and actually see God more clearly, they're not going to be able to see the kingdom of God. And by kingdom of God, what Jesus is talking about here is not so much what happens after we die. Not to say that that's not important, but what he's talking about here, the kingdom of God is participating in what God is doing here right now. Just as we prayed that prayer together, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Unless you are born again, you're not going to be able to participate in what God has in store for earth and the world and his people today. So born again, Nicodemus asked the question, how is this even possible? 
Not in light, I don't think Nicodemus is talking about physically. He sees the impossible uh, physically. How can somebody actually be born again? But he's talking about it metaphorically of somebody like me. Somebody like Nicodemus. Somebody who is so, uh, well, old. How can somebody who's lived so much life and been, and been so rooted in this one idea for so long, how can somebody like me be born again to a new thought? to a new idea, to be rethinking everything that I thought I once knew. How can that be possible? Jesus says, well, if you can't, you can't participate in what's happening now, unless you are by water and by spirit, unless it's by baptism. And baptism symbolizing uh, what Jordan was just talking about, symbolizing this, this death to this old life and alive in something new, alive in Christ. Unless you are willing to die to self, you're not going to be able to participate. Just a quick side note and story. I was just out at Camp Chestermere on Friday, and I go out on Fridays just to drive boat for the kids, which, I mean, that's great therapy when they're on the tube and you flip them off the tube and they go flying in the air. Uh, it's great, and I get to do that every Friday, and I love it. And I went there on Friday just to drive boat. But as soon as I got there, there was a girl who goes to our youth group, and while she was there that week, she decided to get baptized. So I went there Friday morning to dry boat, and I left at the end of the day baptizing a, one of our youth girls. Isn't that incredible? Just this, just this death to self and alive, and it was just so much excitement that I just loved it and I wanted to share with you guys. But it wasn't just of water, it's of spirit. That it's no longer just about these rules that Nicodemus thought it was, but it's about this spirit that lives in you and that is guiding you. That's what he's talking about, that you need to know to be able to bring the kingdom here. I remember one of my born-again experiences. I stated earlier that when I was 15 years old that I was born again, and that's when I got baptized, that it was death to self and alive in Christ, something new. But as soon as that happened, that again, I thought that I had all the answers. I spent time reading and learning and growing until I went to Bible school. And when I went to Bible school, I was in this pursuit of knowledge and this pursuit to have all the answers, to have all the right answers. And I thought that I already had most of those answers in my stubbornness. And we were sitting in class and we were discussing a certain topic. And there's multiple viewpoints on that one topic. And, and what I loved about the school is that they took what you once believed, or they took what you believed, they broke it down, and they helped you to rebuild it into something new. And I just love that about the school. Um, so... They take, we're, we're talking about this certain topic, and the professor, right away, he writes my viewpoint on the board first. And right away, I thought, yeah, that's right, because my viewpoint's right. And I sat and just prideful, with this big grin on my face, and he started to write down other viewpoints on the certain topic, and I realized that my heart was getting, I was getting frustrated, that I was getting angry. Not because I thought that that viewpoint was so wrong, but because I realized that all along that my, and I thought that actually this viewpoint has lots to offer, but I thought that, that my pursuit of always being right and having the answers about Jesus was actually getting in the way of my relationship with Jesus. And in that moment, I was born again to a new thought process, that I rethought everything, that it's not always just about the pursuit of having all the answers, even though it's good to have answers, but it was about not about the answers, but it was about sitting at the feet of Jesus. 
and learning and growing from the life and teaching of Jesus. But it was a difficult journey and one that I'm continuously on. But I found it difficult, and that was only three years after I first came to Jesus, to start to rethink everything, to be okay with maybe my answers were wrong and these ones are right and I'm shifting and moving, just learning from Jesus. If I found that to be difficult only after three years of believing, I couldn't imagine how difficult it would have been for a guy like Nicodemus, who is in that for his entire life, who gained his status from the knowledge that he had. And now Jesus is saying, no, you got to rethink everything. I can imagine how difficult that would have been for Nicodemus. But if we continue to read the story, we realize that Nicodemus did it. Nicodemus did it. Nicodemus was born again. If we flip our Bibles to John chapter 7, and I put these uh, in your footnotes in the bulletin. So if you want to follow along, I'm not going to read them, but I'll just share the story. That in John chapter 7, when the Sanhedrin meets, and they're discussing the fate of Jesus, and they want to get rid of him, and they're devising this plan to kill Jesus. And Nicodemus, again, nobody knows that he is questioning Jesus, that he's starting to follow Jesus, because he did that in secrecy. So he did that in secrecy, and nobody knows. But in this public meeting, and they're wanting to yeah, create this plan to get rid of Jesus, Nicodemus stands up. And he stands up for Jesus. And he says, well, shouldn't we let this guy at least plead his case before we start to make all these decisions? And as soon as he said that, they bashed both Jesus and Nicodemus. And that was the end of that story. But his once secret um, following of Jesus started to become more public. The next we hear about Nicodemus is after the death of Jesus. This guy named Joseph gets the body of Jesus from Pilate to be able to bury him. But he doesn't do it alone. He does it with a guy. And you guess that the guy's name is Nicodemus. And the role that Nicodemus plays in this story is he buys 75 pounds of myrrh and of aloe to be able to give him a proper burial. And there's significance in the amount because the amount was the amount for a kingly burial. See, at the end of Jesus's life, Nicodemus, by giving him this this burial, it was him basically saying that I believe that Jesus is who he said who he is, that he is the one true king. And Nicodemus was born again at such an old age. And if Nicodemus is able to do it, I think that gives hope for you and I. See, Nicodemus was the Bible answer man. He was a Pharisee. So he had all the answers to everyone's question. His faith made sense. But yet Jesus came and he messed with the whole thing. People love formulas. We love to make sense. And that's why the Pharisees loved their job. It was black and white. There's no room for mistakes. It made sense. Jesus went, or Nicodemus went to Jesus looking for answers, but Jesus didn't answer him. I find it fascinating that he didn't just answer all the questions because we know that Jesus does have all the answers. But sometimes just sitting without the answers can be a harder thing to do. Instead of answers, he points him um, to himself. I mean, he is the one true answer. That his faith, Nicodemus's faith, was no longer about this formula of how to get to God. It was actually just about Jesus and sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning from the life of Jesus. And I think that I try to do this too. In my Christian walk, 
And I think we love to do that in Christianity too. I would love nothing more than be able to stand up here in front of you guys and to say, this worked in my life, this worked, this worked, this worked, and if you do the same thing, you're going to have a great relationship with Jesus. But unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way. That we're all created uniquely, and we all have a different story. That we all have a relationship with Jesus, that it's no longer about a formula, but it's about a relationship. And that's, um, yeah, when I was looking for places to do my internship, for places to work, for a church to learn from, there was something about SunWest that drew me here. While I was looking on their website, I saw their mission statement. That's right there. That SunWest exists to guide all people into a lifelong, authentic relationship with Jesus. When I looked on the website, I didn't find a list of answers. What I found was that statement. That a statement that this journey with Jesus is lifelong. And that it's a relationship. It's not about a formula. That it's about being born again, lifelong, over and over, and learning new things, and always having an open mind to learning what Jesus is teaching us through his life. Because it's not Jesus who changes, but it's us. And we get to be able to change when it is a lifelong, authentic relationship with Jesus. That it isn't a quick fix, but to sit the same way Nicodemus did with Jesus and live a life where we are continuously born again. What I also love about Bob Dylan's story, to go back to Bob Dylan, that it was in the late 70s that Bob Dylan had a born-again experience himself. Or others, I don't think he would say it that way, but, he, but others have said it that way, that he had a born-again experience in the late 70s, and as soon as this happened, that he found Jesus, that he learned about Jesus, that he actually stopped producing his normal albums that he was producing, and he right away put out two gospel albums. He put out two gospel albums, and following that, he put out another two albums that weren't gospel albums, but they were littered full of Jesus all over the place. And here's a quote from Bob Dylan that I just, that I just want to share with you guys. It says, years ago, they said I was a prophet. I used to say, no, I'm not a prophet. They say, yes, you are a prophet. I say, no, it's not me. They used to say, you sure are a prophet. They used to convince me I was a prophet. Now I come out and say, Jesus Christ is the answer. They say, Bob Dylan's no prophet. They just can't handle, they just can't handle it. The song, My Back Pages, was written in 19, I'm pretty sure 1964 but he didn't perform it live until 1988. And I know that the song is written about his political views, but I can imagine that over the time that his heart in performing that song for the first time has changed, especially in light of this, this born again, this knowing Jesus, that I'm sure, I'm sure I can just imagine him in his heart and his mind thinking, ah, I was so much older then, but I'm younger than that now. So as I conclude, I'd like to invite the band back up. But I just want to ask a question of what does this mean for you and for me? What does it mean for us to be able to be, to be born again? To maybe rethink some things that we thought we once knew? Or to be dead to our old self and alive in Christ? See, this pursuit of all these answers and always having the right answers, that that's not the bad, 
the, the wrong thing. But what is the wrong thing is when that actually gets in the way of our relationship with Christ. When we become so stubborn that we think we have the right answers, that gets in the way of our relationship with Christ. So maybe you're somebody like Nicodemus who lived your life this way for so long that, that you think that you have the right answers, that, but you're not sitting at the feet of Jesus and just actually asking Jesus the question of how do you want me to live my life? Maybe you're somebody like me where, where I've had a, this born again experience in my, in my prayer life lately that I thought that I once knew how to pray that I would sit there and I would continuously just ask Jesus to do things or God to do things for me. And that was my prayer life. Not that that's a bad thing because God actually, he wants us to ask him things. But my prayer life has been changed. That was my whole prayer life. God, do this, do this, do this, do this. But instead it wasn't, God, how can I actually do something for you? How can I be transformed into your image? How can I be transformed into your likeness? That my whole prayer life has changed from asking God to do things that I think he ought to be doing, but instead of just asking him, how can I actually do something for you? Nicodemus came to Jesus in the darkness of night, looking for answers to illuminate his faith. How often do we do the same? That we wait until a a dark moment in our life to just run to Jesus and say, Jesus, show me the light, show me the answers. I need answers, just like Nicodemus was doing. But what I love about this story is that Jesus didn't illuminate him with answers. He just let him sit and stir in those thoughts, stir in the darkness long enough for him to be able to look up and see the light sitting right in front of him, and that light was Jesus. So I don't know if there's anybody here right now who's going through one of those those dark times that you're looking for answers. I just want to assure you that the answer is right in front of you, and that answer is Jesus. Just look to Jesus. Or maybe there's somebody who, who you're sitting there just like Nicodemus where you think that you're just looking for all these answers, that you can't make a commitment to Jesus, that you don't want to start this relationship with Jesus because you have so many of these questions and these questions just aren't being answered. But the question is answered and the answer is Jesus that we need to actually, the answers are found in a relationship. So if that's you, I want to urge you just to pray. Just to ask Jesus into your life to illuminate even the darkest parts of your your life. At the end of the service, we're just going to invite you up um, for prayer. But as the worship team just plays, just just let that sit in. Let that just soak in. In what ways are the things in my life that are getting in the way of me from being born again and seeing Jesus more clearly? I'm so thankful that this relationship and this journey that we have with Christ, that we don't have to do it alone, but we have a community like this that we can do it together with. That when there's times that we're looking for answers and just can't find them, that we can sit with the people here that we love and we can learn together. And when we're, yeah, yeah. So I just want to, if God was speaking to you at all during this, during the, the message or even just during the time during worship, if there's things in your heart and in your life that, that, you're, that you're stubborn to that you are actually getting in the way of God performing, then I just want to invite you that we have, we have prayer. That we can pray together. So we're going to have a prayer team at the front, but if you are somebody who's just looking for the answer and you're questioning this whole thing about Jesus and this relationship with Jesus, 
and you're ready just to make that commitment, to make that life choice, to say, you know what, I'm okay without having all the answers, but I just want to sit at the feet of Jesus that who illuminates our life. That there's reassurance that we might not have all the answers, but there's reassurance that he doesn't fill us. Maybe we're not filled with all the answers, but we are filled with his joy. We're filled with his love. We're filled with his peace. And we're filled with his comfort that we can actually bring that to God's people here. So if those are some things that are going on in your heart, I just want to invite you to prayer. And it's not just limited to that if there's other things going on in your life that you're just wanting to lift up to God because we believe that he listens. Because a relationship goes both ways. So just let me pray. So God, thank you for today. Thank you for SunWest. Thank you for, yeah, the people here and that we can experience you through song, that we can experience you through music. And God, I just want to thank you for uh, the stories that we've heard today, not only of baptism, but of new, this new life and this new excitement that you bring, that God, that we just, yeah, we, we believe in that. We believe that you do bring life that you make us born again. What was old is new. And the whole thing that you challenge this life for for us is that we are able to give up self, that we can just trust you. So God, we want to pray for that. I want to pray that you fill us up when we sit at your feet, sometimes in the darkness of night, that you are the one who illuminates our soul, that you are the one who illuminates our life, that you bring this love and life and joy and peace. I pray these things in your name. Amen.